Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! Once again, my partner in crime, uh, I'm with the big homie, Carl Irvin. What's happening, Carl? Not much. Is this three in a row that I've been on now? I'm telling you, bro. Like, you're going to disappear for like two months. Yeah. You guys, just the first time you don't hear me on an episode, just prepare for a lot of guests for like six weeks in a row or something like that. Carl's going to go on a sabbatical. I have to. I get tired of this shit after a while. I got to get away from you people. Your name's He's got to finish that column. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> column that we've been waiting on for like don't 17 worry. weeks. I have, some, I have some big news about that at the end of the episode, so don't worry. So I know you guys just heard another voice, so let me give this prestigious introduction to my big homie. This young man uh, was officially the first guy to ever give a shit about anything me, Carl, or Caleb, when he was with us, had to say audibly. First guy ever, and he's been with us since then. Has become a really good friend of ours, and we affectionately call him our first fan. And I guess you could call him the third, fourth member of the podcast, whatever you want to call him. But he is with us today. We have the big homie Rob Daniels. What's happening, Rob? Hey, long time listener, first time caller. First time, long time. <laughs> Sorry, had to had to do it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Now we appreciate you, man. So I think the interest of having you on, just other than you supported us from the very beginning is that a lot of the times when we talk, Carl and I, we're not, we're nobodies, right? We're just two regular dudes living, but we've been writing columns and doing something in the public's wrestle, wrestle sphere for years, damn near a decade now. People know us to a, a very small extent or whatever. Knowing we have somebody on is somebody much like us. You are the first guy I think we've had on who is just a dude who likes wrestling. And I think it's really important to talk to somebody who doesn't have an agenda to push. And I don't mean that from a negative standpoint, because we do too. But uh, you're just a guy who likes watching wrestling. So your opinions, in fact, I think matter more to me than a lot of other people's. I'm just your average Joe. And here's the, here's the good part about it. If we ever start making money doing this which god knows god willing right but if we ever did we can yeah. you know how you know how companies when they when they open they get that first dollar and they hang it on the wall we're just gonna, just gonna staple rob the wall as soon as we make start making money for the first fan looking forward to it. we're just gonna match your head on the wall sorry buddy here's the this is the way it's gonna be we're gonna water you right, just, three times a day just take care yeah. of my family you can stick my head anywhere you want yeah fair enough i like it you are definitely leaving that up to innuendo, sir, because you you know me and Carl well enough to know that that you can't just leave open ended stuff like that. Four thousand dollars. Oh yeah, that's right. Four thousand dollars. That's it. He'll do anything. For four, that's it for four thousand dollars. Hit up his yeah, Venmo account, boys. That's your Ted DiBiase had it right. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that in mind. Um so before we start, you hit me and Carl up with a tremendous theory. Something I've been saying forever, but you put it more eloquently than I could ever put it. I really want the people to hear what you have to say, so the floor is yours. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say that this is my theory by any by any means. Um, this is obviously pieced together from a lot of stuff that I've heard mentioned here on this podcast. Um, my theory is basically kayfabe isn't dead. It's still alive. It, it's just evolved. You think kayfabe, um, you think the classic... Uh, uh, Dr. D. David Schultz slapping the piss out of uh, John Stossel trying to trying to maintain kayfabe about whether wrestling was real or not. But um, we're just telling a different story now. You know, the whole point of a wrestling promoter is to sell you on their story. They want to get you emotionally invested and and get you involved in any way that they can. We've um, we've heard legendary tales of of kayfabe uh, wrestlers leaving restaurants just because uh, they're their rival for the territory is there or traveling in different cars, you know, doing everything they can to, to maintain that. We still have it. It's just, it's just in a different form now. Um, I think you, the general opinion is that that kayfabe is dead. And we all say that because we have different levels of access. Now um, we see behind the curtain or we think that we do. We uh, we're all plugged into the rumor mill on whatever our favorite site is or on Twitter. We all think that we're, uh, we're we see behind the curtain. We we know what's going on, and it's really bad because of uh, social media. Um, we know that you know during the midst of the, I go back to the Zack Ryder versus um, Dolph Ziggler feud that they had over what was that the IC title U.S. title U.S. Title. They were interchangeable, interchangeable at the time. Still <laughs> um, are. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you knew those guys were friends. You saw it all the time on uh, on Twitter, or you saw it on the YouTube show, um, Long Island IC, whatever. Um, you know now, Zack Ryder and Cody Rhodes are friends. You know different promotions, but you know you, you follow your favorites on social media. You know behind the curtain, you know what's going on. But I think that that that's part of what's being used now to tell the story of kayfabe. Um, we have that illusion of being plugged in. We think we know what's going on. Um, one of the examples that, uh, that I came up with is Vince McMahon himself. I think we got so used to the Mr. McMahon character and, you know, the rumors, the, the legendary tales of, of Vince and how crazy he is or whatever that we think that we know exactly what he's thinking all the time. Mm -hmm. None of us have ever met him. None of us know what goes on, you know, in his office or what goes on in Gorilla. You know, we, we, we see him in Gorilla when, when Roman gets pissed at Brock and walks back and, and yells at Vince, but we don't really know what's going on. We don't know what he's thinking, but anytime anything big goes on in the WWE, we, oh, Vince ain't going to like this, or, oh, you know, this is Vince's guy. Vince loves him. We, we don't know what the fuck Vince is saying. Another, um, another, another one that uh, we both talked about uh, that Carl hates is the Brock Lesnar situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, how, how do you? I, I mean, in this era, you have um, even the most bastard of a heel, like the the most dastardly, even well, maybe not Champa, but the most the despicable heel that you can think of. Even he gets some cheers. So how do you how do you rally people to universally hate one person? 
you make a part-time champ and you make them dominant as hell. You give you give Brock Lesnar the strap and you turn people like even Carl, you you're so disinterested in the the universal title, but I would say that even that's part of of the kayfabe story. They they make you care because everybody everybody wants to see Brock lose that strap. You heard the pop when Angle even just mentioned it. The arena popped for that. Oh, he he might strip him. Uh, let me ask you this about the uh, the Brock Lesnar thing. Uh, what I think you might catch after people hear this, maybe uh, like maybe a detractor to your theory that isn't buying what you're selling necessarily. Yeah. Um, let, let me ask you this. With Brock Lesnar, do you think that it's about trying to word this correctly because I don't want to I want to make sure I'm sounding. Do you think Brock Lesnar has been champ for a little over a year now? Um, but he's been portrayed as pretty dominant outside of losses, the loss to Goldberg, which he made yeah. up more than made up for at WrestleMania. Uh, and when he first came back initially, the very first comeback when he lost to Cena, once he beat Undertaker for the streak is when you really started seeing Brock become this dominant force, whatever. So let me ask you this. Do you think the story that's being told with Brock as this unbeatable guy to where a point that we're all just sick and tired of his shit and we're just ready for anybody else to have it. Do you personally think that, because a detractor might say this has gone on too long. Like they didn't have, they didn't have to maybe necessarily go three, four years of this when we, you know, I feel like people have, I soured on Brock a lot sooner than some, I don't know how quick people sour on Brock, but I feel like it's kind of been going that way anyway. Do you think do you think that it's just too long? And do you think that or do you think that's the perfect way to do it? Just make this go on for three, four years, however long it's been. I think that's part of the plan. Um, and I don't know what the plan is. I don't know how they plan to resolve this because it hasn't finished playing out yet. Sure. But I, I do think that was part of it. Drag it out as long as we can. See how far we can stretch this before everyone is united and everyone wants to see him. Right. I don't. I don't buy into the whole. You know, let's use this to get Roman over or not theory. No, I don't um, either. I, I, I don't think it's about Roman at all. I think it's it's an experiment in kayfabe. How long can we tell this story? Right. Okay. So with that being said, the person who finally takes that belt off of them, say it is Roman Reigns, and it very well may be. I don't think it's going to be. But let's say that it is. Do you think it's going to work? Do you think they're going to get the desired reaction for, if it's Roman? They could get the desired reaction from other people, I do think. That's the question. What's the desired reaction? Yeah. Well, I know. But, I mean, if, if, if you – do you think – okay, then forget that. Do you think that he will be actually cheered? Like, is that going to be a thing? Or is this match going to get shit, all over, shit on all over again like it did at WrestleMania 34? Honestly, um, I don't. I don't have that answer. I think we shit on everything now, so there's a good chance it's going to get shit on. There's a good chance it's not going to get shit on. Right. Um, I. I think there. In the moment when it happens, there will be an initial pop, but um, it depends on the story and who they choose to actually take it off. Whether it's a sustained thing. If it's Roman, I think it'll matter in the moment, and then everyone will be back to hating Roman the next night on Raw. Yeah, could be. Yeah, that's kind of the way I would see it too. But yeah. I, I want to say something about Brock just real quick uh, to that, that relates to what Rob is saying. So 
you asked was is has it gone on too long? Well, the reason it's so noticeable now is because he's so so audibly doesn't give a shit about coming now. But right. I'm a, going back to uh, I think we all like you said we all say when he beat Undertaker at WrestleMania 30 is like the start of the run, right? Yeah. Since then he fought Cena at SummerSlam 14, um, and then he fought. He fought Cena again at, at Night of Champions, fought uh, Cena and Rollins at Royal Rumble, fought Roman at 31 when Rollins cashed in, fought Kofi at the Beast of the East in that July of 2015, Ju- uh, and then uh, at Battleground, he also fought, also in July, he fought Rollins. He fought Taker at SummerSlam. He fought Big Show at the, the Madison Square Garden special. Um, these are all te- televised. He fought Taker at Hell in a Cell, um, and then he fought. He was in the Royal Rumble in 2016. He fought uh, Roman and Ambrose in Triple Threat at Fastlane. Roadblock. He fought Bray and, and uh, Bray and Luke Harper, Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. 32. He fought Ambrose. You see, where I'm going with this. Uh, he fought Orton at SummerSlam. Remember, he fought. A, he fought a UFC fight in between. WrestleMania and SummerSlam, which is why there's a big stretch there. Uh, he fought Goldberg at Survivor Series. Uh, he fought. He was in the Royal Rumble again in 2017. Big. Uh, he fought uh, Goldberg again at WrestleMania 33. Great Balls of Fire that year. He fought last year. He fought Samoa Joe. Then he fought Strowman, Roman, and Joe. SummerSlam. Les, uh, Braun at No Mercy. AJ Styles at Survivor Series, Brian and Kane at the Royal Rumble, and then Mania, and then the Royal, and then the Grand Royal Rumble. Every other year he's fought significantly more. This year he hasn't fought at all, which is why it bothers us so much. But every other, but all the other times, he's fought. He's wrestled consistently, and not only consistently, but largely concerning, like talking about his pay-per-view matches, they've been decently competitive, right? So, but now go back and go back and watch these matches. They're they're decent. They're very competitive. So much more competitive than we expect a a, a Brock Lesnar match to be. So now well, I think go ahead. part of that though, I, not to not to cut you off, but I, there are some matches there where you're getting triple threats and you're getting um, fatal four ways, right? A couple of a couple of not all of them, but a couple of them there where it's. It's competitive because there's four fucking guys, you know. Like, I mean, you got like Brock as Brock as he is, as Brockly as he Brock is. Brock he still has to work a little bit to put away four guys. You know what I'm saying? That's cute. Um, SummerSlam especially was competitive because Braun put him through a table and then threw the fucking thing on top of him. Oh, the, for, the match was Braun was out. Gone. Yeah. Right. So, but I'm not shitting. I wouldn't. And consistently is a. I feel like we're using that a little loosely, because I mean. Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns wrestle consistently. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So let me change my word. What I mean is consistently for Brock. What I mean is <laughs> okay. you, yeah, could expect, you could expect eight matches a year from Brock before, right? Eight to right, ten matches yeah. a year. We might get four. Yeah. Usually at the big shows, typically. And then right. maybe a, a pay-per-view thrown in the middle there somewhere, like Great Balls of Fire, No Mercy. Exactly, which is why we're so angry. We're so angry because he can't be, he can't, you don't, at least even then, 
in other years, he would show up on Raw just to show up. Right. Yeah. Let me back. Let me take it back to what you said in the beginning before you listed all those matches, Rance. You said Brock doesn't give a shit. Does he? Does he not? Or is that part know. of the story? We don't know. But we've been taught, and and your your point is so one hundred percent valid, even more because of what happened on Raw. Not this past week, but the week before. Two weeks ago. When he actually talked about the stuff we all say. I don't give a shit about yeah. the show. <laughs> Why would I watch Raw? You know? You you don't think that that was written specifically because that's what fans think? You're oh, absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah. They're doing a lot of people that, could. Yeah, I know a lot of people could say that's just WWE jumping on, you know, what the, the obvious story in front of them, thinking that they stumbled onto it. But I think that's all part of the plan. That's part of the long-term storytelling that they're doing with Brock. Stop right there. Because you point on something that I, that I try to talk about all the time, but I really want to point on it now since that's what we're talking about. This idea that, th- that things happen organically in wrestling is the most laughable thing I've ever seen from fans. Everything is scripted. Everything happens for a reason. Everything is planned. Even the great matches that you see, a lot of the times, they knew it was going to be a great match beforehand. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a match that people that the, that the backstage people planned to be not good ended up being great. They know what they're getting. So Daniel Bryan didn't get over organically. They put him in situations to get over. CM Punk didn't get over organically. They put him in a situation to get over. Like, all these things happen. So, you said it perfectly, you said just perfectly just now. Like, everything they wanted to happen, happens. You think, people talk about the pipe bump, pipe bomb. Well, he said what he wanted to say. They told him he could say it. Oh, yeah. I'm still surprised people think that wasn't. You know, he got, he was able, he was given some, I'm sure he was given a little bit of like, Ugh, but not like to the point where it's, oh yeah, like he's just out there saying, mentioning Colt Cabana and Ring of Honor and New Japan because he can. The greatest, the greatest feud in WWE history isn't Hogan Andre or Rock Austin or Austin McMahon or, or Triple H and, well, no, the greatest feud in wrestling history is the fans versus the backstage. But I say that because the fans think they know so much. We really don't. I think the best example of that is the B-plus player story with with Daniel Bryan. (laughs) Um, Don't get me started on that. Well, I'm, I want to go there. Let's I want to. I want to look back at that. Let's go. Because um, I think I think that's the best example. Um, his his whole run, that that whole thing, was built on a foundation that everyone believed that what was being said on camera was the prevalent thought backstage as well. Everyone thought that WWE management really looked as Dan looked looked at Daniel Bryan as a B plus player. That's what got us also emotionally invested in that storyline that we felt every victory and we felt like we were making a difference. You know, um, one of the oldest things in wrestling is, you know, a baby face getting the crowd involved. Well, you know, whether it's that, that rest hold right before they, you know, they, they, the they hulk up, you know, the Hulk spot, the hulk spot or it's the, hulk, it's hulk the, in, the hope spot in, in, uh, yes. Uh, see, there's my fan showing through. Um, 
or the uh, the in a tag team match, the you know right before the uh, the hot tag when you know the guy that's uh, on the outside is you know slapping the post and getting the crowd to chant, you know that that's one of the key things that we use to tell you know the the story of kayfabe to get us involved, to get us invested, and I think that that was so well done in the Daniel Bryan storyline. We were all invested. We thought, you know, we're yeah, the, the Occupy Raw, we're we're changing things, we're hijacking this crowd to to get Daniel Bryan inserted where we wanted. It was all part of the story. So I'm the only one who didn't love Daniel Bryan while all that was yes, going on. Yes, you were. Okay, I'm just double checking because I just never was into that that much. <laughs> I like Daniel Bryan, but I am, as I as I, I told you earlier, I'm a petty motherfucker. So <laughs> I'm, I'm open arms about it. So the. I've always enjoyed Daniel Bryan, but his fans make me not want to like him. Well, I would consider myself a pretty large Daniel Bryan fan. Yeah, but you're but you're not one of those fans that think that Daniel Bryan is the be all end all of wrestling. You like him, he's no. good, and he's just another guy. Well, he's in that then it sounds guy. like Rance is getting worked a little bit because the greatest feud is the fans versus. Okay, but but we you're getting worked by the fans, right? You would not have you would not have done have done this for six plus years. I've done this for eight. You guys know me well enough to know that nothing works me more than fans. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> nothing works me more than fans. Um, by the way, so Daniel won the titles at thirty, right? Yeah. Twenty nine, he wrestled in a tag match, right? With hell no. What did he do at WrestleMania 28? So the Sheamus match? Yeah, he walked into WrestleMania as a, as a world champion. I'm just saying, like, yep. don't forget the dude has... <laughs> like... That's my favorite That's my favorite Daniel Bryan match, by the way. WrestleMania <laughs> match, at least. <laughs> Sheamus just rocks his ass. And what was it, 20 seconds or something like that? At Outsider Curvin. <laughs> let me have it i don't give a shit let's go uh this this kayfabe topic can go on forever uh i love talking the the, the idea of a new kayfabe if you will but it, i i liken i liken kayfabe to magic uh in that uh pen and teller pen Gillette, the uh he always says that you know when magicians tell you uh uh to look closely, you know, and to look here because stuff is happening outside or whatever. And he's, but he'll always tell you that when we tell you to look at something, that's because we're gonna tell what you think is going on is absolutely the opposite of it. Uh, and that's almost kayfabe. That's in in a sense because we've been conditioned the new kayfabe. We've been conditioned to think certain things. We've been conditioned. To think like it's almost Pavlovian that you know that uh, if if a let me, let's talk let's talk women for a second. If a blonde woman is a champion, she can't wrestle. That's what people are saying. People aren't saying that Alexa and Carmella, just in general, they're saying the blondes, right? So like, there's so many things that we've been conditioned our conditioned our, to think. Or condition ourselves to think. Let me give you a better example. Let me give you another example. Let's talk Roman Reigns real quick. Before, Yay. right? But we don't, we're not gonna talk like go into it. But before Roman Reigns won the Elimination Chamber match from WrestleMania 33, when he beat the Undertaker, 
to Elimination Chamber, had you had anything on TV once shown that Roman Reigns was going to go to WrestleMania and win and, and wrestle Brock Lesnar? Had anything? Not Beyond. really. He was, was a loser for nine, ten months, really. Rob? No, I'm, I'm with Carl. So why was the prevailing theory among every IWC fan that, oh, well, Roman's just going to go to WrestleMania 34. That's what's going to happen anyway. He's going he's gonna to do this. He's going to win the Rumble. Well, no, he didn't win the Rumble. Well, he's going to win the Elimination Chamber. But every, but the whole entire year, well, he's going he's gonna to win the title. Well, he didn't win the title. Well, he's going to beat Brock at SummerSlam. He's going to win that match. Well, he took the fall. Well, he's going to do this. Well, no, he lost that. Well, no, he's going to do this. Well, no, he didn't do that. So, you know, but again, we've convinced ourselves that Roman always wins. But I did the I did the math. I did a column on it. Roman has been pushed less than Seth Rollins since his shield split. Well, we can we can um, we can trace it back to really people like uh, that hack, Dave Meltzer and Alvarez and those guys because they perpetuate this shit. They do. Like if you if you are anti Roman Reigns, you can be anti Roman Reigns. That's fine. I don't care. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not in love with Roman. I like him. He's not my favorite or anything. But you can dislike Roman Reigns, but it gets to a point where, like, it's just like anything else, right? It's like the regular news. If you feel a certain way about something and you hear it, it's your it's your own personal echo chamber. You just latch onto that, and so that's it now. That's what it is. That's what it always has to be. And it's the same thing with Roman Reigns. If, if enough people tell you that he wins all the time, you have a selective memory about those, like, when he, when he loses. You're like, he didn't fucking lose. He wins all the time. Well, no, you just are kind of told that. And even if you aren't told specifically that, you're told things. Like Meltzer was the first one to tell people that it's going to be Brock and Roman at WrestleMania 34. He was the first one to say that shit. This happened so, before WrestleMania 33 happened. He yeah, already so, said that before WrestleMania. And, and yes, it did happen. The match happened, but the result wasn't the, wasn't the way that he thought it was going to be. Plans changed, of course. But you know what I'm saying, like – the shit gets perpetuated by people that have more followings than people like you and me and Rob. You know what I mean? That's well, I part of the that, problem. I think Uncle Dave is is an example of the modern kayfabe in, in, in himself. Um, what what is he famous for? Um, supposedly getting insider information and sharing yeah. it out. Where is that information coming from? Do you think you think a company in an industry, the number one company in an industry built on smoke and mirrors? has such a leaky faucet that all of this information is just getting out or oh, yeah. is it being put out on purpose. I'll do you one better. Sure. I'll do one better. Nobody's ever gotten fired for leaking information. Right. Right. JBL has been come out and no matter, we all hate JBL. That's fine. But he's come out and said that they love giving Meltzer information <laughs> because he was easy to play. Right. He's come out and said that shit. So, I mean, wherever you stand on, there are other journalists out there. I'm not going to sit around and start name dropping people who get access to scripts or get access to this, that, and the other. But I've seen errors in the shit that they say. I've, there was one week uh, recently where a journalist said that Sasha and Bailey had more going on tonight than the first segment or the second segment they did, and then nothing ever happened. So, you know, these things happen. We're not, like, they give us pieces. It's almost like it's almost like running a treadmill. If you're a fat guy on a treadmill and someone's dangling the, the Twinkie in front of you, you're just trying to – that's what you're hanging from your head. You're just trying to get it. It's like that. They give us bits and pieces. They don't give us the full story. But they do give us some stuff, I do think. Not everything, but some things, which is probably part of the plan 
that you know Rob has alluded to here. I think. How can you give scoops on a business where one person makes every decision? Yeah, well, I, I do. But see, here's here's what I would say. I, I think that I think wrestling journalism would ta- taper off into nothingness if every single piece of information you were given was a lie. If if, if I was a journalist and I was on and I was on the inside, right, and people and they were, WWE was giving me information and I was posting this shit on my website and every single thing came out to be false, nobody would go to my website anymore. I disagree. So they ha- they do give him some. I mean, maybe some people, but I think they give him they give him pieces. You know, that way they can let me let keep them coming back for more. It's just like anything else. Let me tell you why I disagree. Okay. We are in the age of propaganda more than it's ever been. Sure. Right? We were, I'm serious, and I don't want to make this political, but it... No, I don't goes, have to. It kind of goes hand in hand. We are in an age where if you already believe something, you're going to read something, even if it's absolutely false, that makes you feel like it's what you believe. Breitbart. Right? So, nothing against people, those people that read Breitbart, but most of the stuff on there isn't true. It's just... But it's been factual. Are you sure... Well, I mean, you know, you are in Arkansas, so God bless you. Um, <laughs> okay, I think, Texas. I, I think you can go a little bit deeper than that, too. And it, it's not just about, you know, the propaganda machine. It's that um, I think we as fans are so desperate to feel like we're involved in the product, so desperate to feel yep. a part of it that we latch on to these guys and, and we label ourselves, oh, I'm a Meltzer guy. I, you know, I'm I'm a Rance guy. That's that's how we connect. That's That's the next shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'd wear it. I say next, like we already got one. Yeah, um, yeah, it's coming soon. So right after that off. column. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> big, news, big news at the end of the show about it. Don't you worry. You're you're spot on, man. You're spot on though. Like we we are so desperate to to know. You damn you're damn right. Absolutely. You um we're 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 gonna kind of shift to something else, but this is kind of like a a a, a precursor to that. But if you read the transcripts of the CM Punk Dr. Man trial. CM Punk broke down how Royal Rumble was created. How Royal Rumble is, is, is created, right? All of us in here are 30 plus. All three of us, right? I've never, and I, I'm a guy who has spent most of my days either talking wrestling, thinking about wrestling, or reading my wrestling in some form or fashion. Books, dirt sheets, anything. Right? I've joined numerous forums. I've written hundreds of columns. I've done dozens of podcasts. All of this. I never knew that. So that 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 moment stopped and showed me that. Well, damn, Ranch, you think you know everything about wrestling, but you don't even know how Red Rumble's done. Right? Like, for example, we think that the company tells them who's going to be eliminated and where. No. They pick how they want to be eliminated. They, they do that on their own. Like these little things that we didn't know just kind of show you in a small microcosm how little that we really know. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, Well, okay. Uh, Before we move on, Rob, I told you I would give you the floor. It's all yours, man. Anything you, uh, any other issues you got? Anything you want to talk about? Anything on your mind? So I just glanced over at my notepad uh, to write a note to myself to reread those transcripts, and I realized we've covered everything I had written down, so no. <laughs> well, okay, speaking of transcripts, so 
this Prince is, is so happy. I wish you guys could see the look <laughs> on his face right now. He's so happy. Go ahead. I though. can. Look, yeah. right? <laughs> Not you, everyone else that's going to hear this. <laughs> so nothing makes a human being feel better than when they can say, I told you so. So uh, before I go into it, let me let me let me tell you guys what's happened. So, speaking of the CM Punk Chris Man trial, uh, CM Punk and Cole Cabana won. They won the defamation lawsuit. Uh, apparently, uh, Cabana and Punk had an agreement where Punk would pay for his, if not all of his medical bills, half of it. And it's only right seeing as the only reason Cabana was involved was because it was Punk. Right? Punk did his best friend a favor, put him on the show, letting him air his grievances. He had no idea this was going to happen. Punk wanted to fight. All this stuff, and Cabana just drug into it because it was his show. And I'd say Punk probably had a fair bit more money than Cabana. A <laughs> couple of dollars more, I would think. Unless he squandered it all like an idiot, but I doubt it. Punk is a, um, Punk is definitely a miser. I just I feel like he's like Scrooge McDuck that he like. Well, he's, he's also got an extremely successful wife that was bringing in money too, even post wrestling with her book and everything like All that. All due so. respect to AJ. AJ can't make in in AJ hasn't made no career where Punk probably made in a year. No, probably not. But and I mean, I'm, no just, I'm saying it's that an extra bit of money. Sure, and for someone those listening, that was not meant as a diss to AJ. That, that's just to show how much Punk was making at the height of his career. Yeah, plus with the UFC fights and all that shit. I mean, yeah, getting paid to take punches for a, a couple... Okay, stop right. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's writing for Marvel now, too. He's been writing for Marvel, and, yeah, Drax, that's right, and yeah. nobody reads the Drax com- com- comics, so... Oh, I don't even know what he writes until well, you just said it, so... I should have said that out loud either, my bad. Um, look, so, okay... I'm not a fan of... I, I like CM Punk the wrestler. I'm not a fan of Phil Brooks. But this situation, 100%... So, I've, I'm I'm, I'm open up to you guys, but I always believed that the doctor was right in the trial for one reason and one reason only. Punk, even on the, on the stand, admitted that he exaggerated about a lot of the shit he said on the podcast. He admitted that some of the stuff he said was not true, or he didn't. Re- he remembered wrong. Openly admitted that. The reason the doctor lost is because he had some shitty ass lawyers, and because he couldn't prove that what they said affected his job. Okay. But with Cabana suing his best friend, the guy who he had to sit there all day and deal with all this, Cabana was missing out on uh, on jobs. He couldn't work. He couldn't do go work because he had to sit in the, in the courtroom for days and all this um but it, it tells me two things number one one we all know punk is a shitty friend but number two cabana had cabana lied for punk i think cabana lied on state on stanford punk why do you say that because why would cabana be so mad that punk didn't pay his bill if cabana didn't do him a solid because the bill was $500,000. I get that. But here's the thing. Win or lose, Cabana knew he was going to have to pay something eventually. Right? Well, uh, to be fair, I, I don't know that much about the trial. It had no, it was no, not a point of interest for me. So I didn't keep up with it other than the outcome. 
I did see the news when it came out today about the uh, or whenever about um, Cabana saying that Punk essentially stiffed him. But uh, from the account that I read, it was that Punk repeatedly told him, "Don't worry about the legal fees. I got you. I got it covered. I'll cover the whole thing." Sure. So if if that was what he believed, um, whether he lied or not, um, I'm which I'll work under the assumption that Cabana didn't commit perjury. Um, sure. I'd be mad as hell over a $500,000 bill when somebody said, I got you, don't worry about it. I would too. But you just said, Cabana, I, I covered the trial every day on another show that, uh, yeah, uh, I covered it every day in depth. Cabana spoke at length about how draining that trial was. About how horrible it was, how it affected him physically. Why would you go right back to court again? This is your best friend, right? You can't work it out? Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. They are best friends. Well, I feel like they had had a falling out before that. But They they, they did have a falling out. And by the way, to give some context, the falling out was because Cabana went to WWE, like to a backstage WWE, see some friends and like do an interview. Oh, okay. Well, see, what I was thinking, though, is like, Sure, these guys like Punk's got a lot of money. I don't know how much Colt Cabana's worth. I, you know, I couldn't tell you how much he could afford for legal fees, whatever. But I, I like Rob would work under the same assumption that he didn't commit any kind of perjury. It's just it five hundred fucking thousand dollars. I mean, period. Like anybody, and I don't know anybody who wouldn't be pissed over five hundred grand, including rich guys, because they're all greedy as shit. So of course they'd be mad. So I, I kind of work under just. That's the problem here. But my question is, forgetting all that for a second, if this was a CM Punk just saying, hey, man, I got you, and there's no written, verbal, audio, anything, I don't think Cabana has anything to stand on in court. There's a text message. There's a text. Okay. All right. Well, then, if that, I mean, if that is something, if that exists, like, I guess he says it exists, right? I mean, because we haven't, nothing's, we haven't seen it yet, surely. No, so, yeah. so if it exists, then that's it, right? I mean, if he doesn't have anything, that's going to be a bitch for him. He's going to be tough. He's not going to get anything out of it. Let me let me tell you why I think he lied, because that is a huge accusation, and I I, yeah. I truly enjoy Cabana's work. I think he's a really cool dude. I have no ill will towards the guy whatsoever. So I'm not saying this from a place of malice. I'm saying this for 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 these reasons. Number one, it's been proven Punk lied. That's, this isn't a, this isn't my opinion. This has been proven that there were aspects of that podcast, huge aspects of that podcast that he lied about. It's proven. Number one. Number two. Colt had every chance. Colt didn't have to go to. Colt didn't have to take that to court. He could have settled. Going to he went that him and Punk went to court because they quote unquote believed they. We're innocent, so they wanted to fight it with that with, with every through every extent of the law. If you're gonna do that, you know these court these court fees are gonna cost a shit ton of money. So you're openly allowing yourself to say, "Hey, I could keep my money and just deal with this and just settle this, or I'm gonna spend five hundred thousand and go do this." And before the trial, they weren't talking. So you you want right. me to believe that you went to court. You went to court knowing you were going to have to spend all this money on legal fees, not talking to the guy that's going to that you could get to loan the money, and you were cool with it then, but all of a sudden now you're not. 
Yeah. It feels personal. It feels like Cabana, I looked out for you, punk. You're supposed to look back out for me. You didn't, so I need to get what's mine. That's what it feels like. And it very well could be. I, I just, because that case is open and shut, essentially at this point, regard like regardless of whether Colt lied, I think it just speaks more to the fact that I don't know what Colt did. I won't venture out to say. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump. I don't want to talk about that too much. But I, what I would say is it just goes to show, and I think most of us listening, except for the hardcore CM Punk truthers out there, Punk know Punk. that Phil Brooks is a fucking dick. Like he's always shown that he is a dickhead. And I'll be the first to tell you, I love CM Punk as the WWE superstar. I mean, I, I mean, the dude cut amazing promos. He had amazing matches. CM Punk is the man in the wrestling ring. But outside of a wrestling ring, including going into the octagon, CM Punk sucks. Like, and that's just <laughs> bottom line about CM. I mean, he's never once he's an asshole to people, you know, and he has no remorse about those things. And that's fine. Some people are that way. But you're talking about big time. Sh- this is shitty. Like, there's no way around it. If you are a CM Punk fan and you don't find this shitty, you are, I mean, something's wrong with something's wrong with you guys. Like, I'm just letting they you don't. know if you're out there listening, you know. They, they don't find it shitty. But just imagine if someone screwed you out of just 10% of that. Because most of us listening to this don't even make 10% of the amount of money. You know what I mean? Just imagine. So, yeah. But you, but you have to understand, man, and Rob can speak to this better than any, than any of us because, again, he's the fan. Of, of, we're all fans, but you know what I mean. We look, these guys, we look at these guys at their... The song Cult of Personality is true because we look at these guys as such biblical-esque figures. These people that we look up to or that we fan, like... Um, this is a complete different tangent, but you'll you understand what I'm saying. Uh, the biggest mall in the city of Houston is called the Galleria. I was in the mall one time, and Kim Kardashian was in the mall, and they literally shut that bitch down. Just because she walked down the fucking aisle. People lost their shit, right? The, look at all the fans of people who have killed people, or raped people, or 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 done unspeakable beat people unspeakable things and their fans still don't care it's because they compartmentalize the bad because the good brings them so much joy happiness or whatever it is so you have a guy like punk who has made every bad decision since he left wwe Uh, he's happy good for him he's healthy good for him but he's made a lot of bad decisions and done some really shitty things to people the way he the way he fucked over Hornswoggle pisses me off to this day. This, this right. is unnecessary because the dude asked you for a guy's number. You know what I mean? Yeah. But y'all rode together almost every day. Nah, bruh. The way he did Graves, you held this dude's. You were there when his when his kid was born. But you told huh. him I can't talk to you because you work for this company. Well, that's the problem though. That people don't want to. Maybe not want to, but just consciously refuse to separate the guy you see on the screen versus the guy outside. So, like, we all—if you're a golf fan, I don't know about—I don't know if you really are Rams, but I know Rob likes golf and watches golf. Uh, if you're a Tiger Woods fan, right? Tiger Woods, man, he's a—he's an asshole. Like everything he's ever yeah. shown, even like 
He just is. I mean, he cheated on his wife. He did a bunch of other stuff. Forget all that, right? When he's on the golf course, we forget about all that shit. But as soon as it's over, we're like, oh, yeah, Tiger Woods, yeah, he's still kind of a dick. Like, we can admit that. And I think that's a problem when you get people that can't separate the two. It's almost like they see CM Punk and Phil Brooks as just the same guy, which is weird to me because we're literally, as wrestling fans, we are conditioned to know that these guys play characters or versions of themselves. That doesn't mean that when they go home at night, they aren't cheating on their wife or, you know, they're not angels outside of the wrestling ring. And that's the biggest problem is nobody wants to separate the two things. You know what I mean? And I think if that's kind of where we're at here, where with CM Punk, the people are going to continue to fit to defend him are the out of touch people. So I don't know. Like, it's just one of those deals. What do you think, Rob? What do you think about that? You think I'm got, me, that- I can give you a little bit of perspective on this. Um, and I don't know if it's good perspective or bad perspective. That's for you to decide. That's but, fair, um, yeah. One of my favorite uh, wrestlers growing up was Sergeant Slaughter. I love okay. Sergeant Slaughter because I thought the Cobra Clutch was a badass finishing move. And when I was done watching him on WWF Superstars on Saturday morning, I could flip the channel over and see him on G.I. Joe. Same guy. Right. He was on wrestling. He was on G.I. Joe. Right. Um, a couple of years back, I got to uh, I got the chance to meet the guy. It was in an unexpected situation. I was living in Huntington, West Virginia at the time. I had a uh, shit job in retail working in, at the Barbersville Mall. And who was walking in front of my store one day? It was Sergeant Slaughter. There's no mistaking that chin. You see it coming before you see anything else. <laughs> the chinny chin so chin, I, as DX would say back in the it, late 90s. Exactly. So I um I gathered myself together uh, and went up and, and spoke to him and didn't want to interrupt him, but he was just walking around by himself and I said, hey, Sarge, you know, big fan. You know, the, the typical line, I, if I ever fortunate enough to meet a wrestler, is thank you for everything that you did for our amusement. I, I appreciate it. And he looked at me and he grunted and he walked off. Oh, yeah. But like, it, it was literally like, get out of my face, maggot, is what I took it as. Right, couple, yeah. It wasn't a couple weeks after that he was on Raw. And I was so excited to see him again. Even though he was a dick to me and grunted and walked off. Right. I was so excited to see him again. Uh, the stuff with CM Punk, much like you, I love CM Punk the wrestler. And I dislike Phil Brooks the guy. And I liken that to um, the Sergeant Slaughter situation with the exception of it felt personal with Punk when he left that he went out of his way to speak badly about wrestling and wrestling fans. I took that sure. personal. I didn't take it personal when I met Sergeant. Uh, that was just, oh, yeah, he didn't want to talk right then. And then yeah. I was happy to see him again. I probably still would be happy to see Punk if he popped up on Raw randomly. Yeah, but sure. it, it felt so much more personal, like he went out of his way to insult wrestling and wrestling fans. I understand that. I, and I think that's kind of why you don't want to meet your heroes. Like, I've, you know, a lot of people love to do these meet and greets and go meet guys. But in those settings, they got to kind of be nice to some degree, right? It's part of the persona. Yeah, I have no interest in any of that shit. Like, you will not see me pay $200 to go meet a wrestler. Not happening. Because I'm getting this, I'm getting. If I go meet Roman Reigns, I'm getting Roman Reigns, WWE Roman Reigns. If I see Roman Reigns outside, I don't know how he's going to be. He's probably a nice guy. He could be a dick for all I know. And I just yep. don't want to spend – like imagine if you spent money to go see this guy and then you just so happen to run into him in public and you weren't like a dick or anything and you are real nice just for a quick second and he did gave you the Sergeant Slaughter treatment. I don't want to ruin – you don't want to ruin that for yourself, I think. So that's yep. 
that's part of part of the problem, I think. But that's I wish people would just kind of take a take a step back and say, listen, it's okay to like CM Punk the wrestler. That's fine. Nobody's gonna shit on you for that because he's a very likable guy in the wrestling ring. But outside of it, you don't have to defend every action that he that he does. You know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and right now that whole team is getting shit on. You know what I mean? For the whole national anthem thing. But I'm not going to stop liking the team. I don't have to like the guys that work for him or the the owner or whatever. That's just kind of, you know, where I'm at with that. But that's if if I'm going to spend my money to to give to give to if I want to spend my money on somebody for their time, they I, I need something more than a handshake and a picture. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just saying. You're taking me to dinner, man. We ain't doing 200 bucks or whatever well, the hell it costs. You're you're a cheap date. <laughs> dinner? <laughs> All right, I know you love Roman Reigns and everything, Rance, but let's calm down. Hey, you know, you put enough liquor in me, you know. Um, Speaking of Roman, uh, Rob, are you, uh, do you keep up with New Japan or anything else outside of WWE? Keep up with? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, been tracking the uh, the G1 results. Um, I it's like watching baseball box scores. I don't watch every game in the uh, major league season, but I like to keep up with what's going on. Um, so I keep up with what's going on outside of uh, WWE. But the only thing that I really watch right now is Lucha Underground. Well, I, w- I want to talk about New Japan for just one second because uh, Tama Tonga has tra- become tried to tried to and actually become one of the biggest talking points in all of wrestling recently. Uh, you know, he's a uh, after the firing squad, uh, as they turn on the rest of the bullet club yep. and, um, they have been absolutely screwing over everybody in the G one. Every match is ending in disqualification or, or gang beat downs. They beat up the refs. They beat up the young lions. They, the young, they do everything. But more specifically, Tama, has gone off the fucking rails on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, he choked a fan who wasn't a plant, apparently. Was just a real-ass fan and choked the shit out of him. And Tom and Tama has also gotten uh, gotten reprimanded for how he's acted on, on social media. But, and I don't know if this is really kayfabe, but now this, this much I believe is real. The new president of New Japan has banned all cussing and and vulgar, all vulgar, vulgar language and like bird flipping and stuff like that. So, you know, I was a big part of the appeal of New Japan because Japanese people don't know what the fuck we're saying. Um, it's the truth. And, of course, there is the illustrious Tamatanga Roma Reigns feud. Yeah. So, hey, give me, your, give me your opinions on all of that, man. Whatever you got. Let me have it. I was um I was tracking uh, a little bit of the Tamatanga Roman feud on Twitter. Um the the there've been clips uh, shared of plenty, and um <laughs> it, it was it was nice to see the back and forth between those two, um, including. It was cool to uh, see Roman uh, engage, by the way. It was real cool to see it was. Roman engage. It was, and it was it. I what I really liked was seeing uh, Tama using the um the Roman cocking your fist and then flipping the bird and stuff like that. Um, I, w- I was thoroughly entertained, and, and I would say it honestly made me a little bit more interested because I know Roman, but this made me you know Tamatanga a little bit more um, 
do I think he took it too far? Um, maybe. Apparently, didn't he get his actual Twitter account suspended for, at real. one point? He really got suspended for yeah. This is real. Yeah. yeah. He did. He put it, he put it on Instagram. He called he called people snitches or bitches or something for for flame, reporting on Twitter. Flame as Dorito or flame as Cheeto. Yeah. Um, I I just think that this is him um, using the modern platform to get himself a little bit more over. Um, that's the way I see it. Well, I, I think he kind of has to, right? I mean, because I've, in a lot of ways, like I've heard a lot of people, I haven't really seen much of his, if really, I couldn't name you any match stuff scenes. I don't really watch New Japan or anything, but like, from what I understand, he's really not all that great in the ring. Not true. So, so that's the way I've heard it, at least. Well, everybody but, in New Japan is, is, is wrestling seven, eight, nine, ten star matches, apparently. So if you wrestle a four star match, you're average. Understood. Understood. I mean, I, I guess one way you could look at it is, we know who Tamatanga is. We're, you know, a little bit more of what I would say the, the hardcore fan. If you're more right. of a casual fan or a younger fan, maybe you're you're following Roman Reigns Twitter because you're, you know, you're plugged in. You're buying the Roman merch. You're you're a little bit younger. Maybe this is the first time you've heard of New Japan, and the first person you're going to hear about is Tamatanga because he's engaging with Roman. Sure. I think it's a smart move on his part. Oh, by the way, they're friends, and they're probably cousins. Yeah. That's that you're looking at me like that's racist. It's not racist. Like all the Tongans and Samoans are related in some way, form, or fashion. <laughs> this the only Samoan dude, the only in, in fact, the only Polynesian guy I've ever seen in wrestling who's not related to all the rest of the Annoys is Samoa Joe. Like the rest of them are all related in some way. Right. That's why he's the the black sheep of the Samoans. Yeah. Old Joe. I, I will say. This gave me one of my favorite uh, favorite recent wrestling moments with, what the fuck was Haku's problem? <laughs> Carl doesn't know what it was. Here's the That's thing about, the yes. about Tonga, right? I don't, like I said before, I don't know if he's a good wrestler or not. I don't, but here's the thing. I don't care. And I've said this before because he is out there making me give a shit about him. Not what he's doing in the wrestling ring. He's making me care about him. Because he's engaging in ways that make you either, as the kind of fan that I am, love him because he's an asshole, or how some fans would take it as, I hate this guy. Like, he's doing what he's supposed to, as Rob said, using the platform to get himself over without – he's not even having to wrestle. I can't even tell you any matches of this I've seen, and I like him already. Well, hold that thought because Rob talked about the G1. In the G1, which is this super vaunted – amazing tournament with every match is at least four and a half stars and all this that and the other yeah tom hasn't given one fuck knew that's folly and they have just been beating people up yeah getting disqualified and ruining the tournament to some people and it's amazing some new I lo- carl and i are cut from the same asshole cloth uh, <laughs> but new japan purists hate it Right. Because it's taking away from the sanctity of the of the beauty of the matches and the work rate, which is not it's not it's not not true. It actually is true, but it's different it's, and it's something that Carl and I grew up on enjoying, which is more of that WWE Western style of you know storytelling. What do you stand on that? Do you think they're going too far with it from the in ring standpoint? Do you think that Tom needs to dial it down? Do you think that they should stick with the New Japan style and just tell their stories in the ring. 
Because outside of Jericho, nobody in New Japan does any of this. Everything is told in ring. You fight in ring, you leave. You fight in ring, you leave. You you tell all your stories in a press conference. Or if you are friends with Cody and the Bucks on BTE. So do you think Tom was going too far? What do you think, Rob? No, I don't. I don't think it's too far at all. But I'm. I'm not the. Um, I'm. I'm not the New Japan guy. Um, I. I like what he's doing. It's making me interested. When I'm scanning the results of the G1 and, and looking at clips, he's the first one that I'm looking at. Uh, I was following his story, and I was following um, Okada's. Uh, you know, is Crazy he breaking guy. or not? Yeah. Yes. And um, and uh, of course, Kenny. Uh, is he ever going to lose? So Kenny's I'm, doing I, I think it's great, deal, by the way. Ken, Kenny's, Kenny's undefeated in the G, no, I'm sorry, he just lost to Ishii. But Kenny was basically undefeated in the G1 with like he, a, a broken or a severely bruised heel. He didn't lose. His shoulder came up before three. Hey, he don't. He didn't get the points. That's all that matters. Yeah, I know. He didn't get the points. Well, here's um, kind of an interesting thought about that, right? So New Japan, you you really touched on something I want to talk about, Rance. New New Japan. They, their fans are like, okay, we don't want to see anything. We don't want to do anything like this. We don't like this. We're purists. They're like baseball fans. Like, ah, it's a replay. They lose their fucking minds, right? That that whole thing. So, okay, if that's the case, don't turn around later and when you have your problems with WWE, be like, they need to change the way they're doing things. Because that's what they do. They'll they'll talk. They don't want anything to change in their world. And then they'll run over and be like, get onto the Twitter machine and pull their phones out and be like, ha ha, WWE isn't doing this. They need to book this guy differently. They need to do this differently. They need to do this differently. Like why does, why is what's good for new Japan, not good for WWE and vice versa? Any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, go, don't they, don't yeah. they have a guy that got over for selling DVDs? Isn't that Yato. a thing? Yeah. He sell he sells DVDs. He does a stupid ass shrug and he he takes the turnbuckle off and his people with it, and he rolls them up. And okay. he is over. So here's the thing. Yes, and for the record, it, for the record, behind all that, much like Santino was, he could really go in the ring. That's just his gimmick. Yeah. So that's that's a WWE thing, right? That's Absolutely. that's a story. And when you, I think you and uh, Kyle mentioned that a couple of weeks back. That was the first I'd heard of him. And you're talking talking about this idiot that sells DVDs. That's his gimmick. It made me interested. It made me go on YouTube and look up his clips. He's yeah. somebody in New Japan that I care about because of that. Yeah. But but then again, you know, I did grow up on WWF as well. That's that's what I like. I like the moments. I like the stories. It's it's always fun to me that Yano's tag team partner is Ishii, the toughest, most rugged ass wrestler in the world, and he puts up with. It's like it almost feels like he puts up with him because he has to. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I think it was Rob earlier when uh, you were you were asking, uh, you know, when did what what when did the split happen from going, WWE going PG? When did it go? When, when did that split happen from being TV fourteen or more adult oriented? Well, yeah, that was on the pre-show. Oh, was that okay? So that wasn't on. Okay, well, no, yeah. that was the pre-show. Okay, you asked me that question. Well, similarly to that, I want to know, when did wrestling become, to fans, become more about work rate than storytelling? 
That's a great question. I really wish I knew that. I think it's more of it's got to be a younger fan thing. It has to be right because I mean yeah. I I mean most no most of the guys. I'm, uh, please please continue, but real quick, most of the guys pushing this rhetoric are our age. Not, New Japan like, fans are not 10, 15, 18. They're 25, 30, 35. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea because, I mean, I feel like – I know a lot of people grew up watching – if you're like me, you kind of – you grew up in the attitude era. Some people you – Rob, you may have watched a little bit – hell, maybe earlier than I did, probably, like more like early 90s WWF and stuff like that. Um, but we grew up in the storytelling age where, I mean, that's – because the attitude era, the fucking matches were trash for the most part. A lot of them were. You know, people think, you know, the whole Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell. Ah, that match was fucking garbage because Mankind was dead five minutes into it. You know, so yeah. I don't know where they moved to this work rate thing. And I don't know if maybe people just got tired of seeing shitty matches. Or maybe they thought the storytelling wasn't living up to their expectations. So we got to focus on something else now to keep ourselves interested. That's one theory. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer, but I think, it, I think it lies somewhere in, in what we mentioned earlier with the fans being so desperate to be a part of the product, that this is one of the ways that they're involving themselves. Good point. Uh, maybe la- labeling themselves a Meltzer guy and, you know, being so obsessed with star ratings, the match quality. I think that right. maybe had, had some sort of a turn in it. But but for me, uh, I think that we're we're three of a kind here in this line of thinking, and maybe it is because of the era that we grew up watching uh, with the storytellings. It's it's the stories and the moments that are are what matters to me, um, and that's it's honestly it's maybe it's not a good thing, but that's part of the reason why I don't watch Raw and SmackDown the entire episode every week. WWE does such a great job of putting those moments into three-minute clips on YouTube that within 24 hours of the show being up that I don't have to watch it. It's not required watching anymore. Right. I can sit at work. I can sit at my desk at work the next morning with my cup of coffee and get caught up on Raw in, in a quarter of the time and catch all the important moments on YouTube. No commercials. It's Boom, it's done. I, I want to get your opinion on something, Rob, since this is kind of like that's the point of the show. Uh, star ratings. Where do you fall on star ratings, number one? And number two, which is a more serious question, do you feel that the rise of the star ratings and how important they've become and how much bigger they've gotten has led to the to the to, to added danger of the business? And of, in specific, I'm talking about Hiromu and his injury. Um, number one, I don't I don't give a shit about star ratings. My, some of my favorite matches are some uh, nowhere near the critically acclaimed list. I would I would put in my top ten favorite matches of all time, um, Hogan versus Earthquake from SummerSlam '90 or '91. I can't remember which one it is. It's a Hogan ten minute shit match. I love both of those guys back in the day, and I love that stupid little story. Um, so star ratings mean nothing to me. It's about the moments and, and what happened, and. I, I have no idea how to answer your second question. Well, before I go to Carl, can I tell you one of my favorite matches that's like trash? Yeah. Santino Morella and Emma versus Fandango and Summer Rae. <laughs> Forever will be one of my favorite matches because it was just pure nonsense. Um, Carl, I know you feel about star, star ratings, but do you think... Okay, so let me. Add, there's a reason I asked that question. It's not just a random question. 
some people on Twitter were were tweeting Dave after Hiromu got hurt, saying you played a part in that because a lot of these younger wrestlers or these wrestlers in situations much like Takahashi are and get get well soon Hiromu uh, are going even Will Osprey Hiromu Takahashi like these guys go so hard every match. And part of it, we feel like, or we're assuming, is because they want the accolades that come with saying, I had a five-star match. I had a five-and-a-half-star match. Kenny Omega, damn near kills himself every match. I had a such-and-such match. Do you think that they are correlated? Because the, the, the level of danger, especially in New Japan right now, all over, WWE has its part two. But just from a move standpoint, like I saw, um, I saw Ishi, not Ishi. I'm sorry, Abushi, hit Naito with a uh, damn, like 1916 or Bloody Sunday, whatever. But he dropped him on his fucking head, and it scared the hell out of me. Naito and Hiromu were like best friends. They're both Lij guys. So, you know, just the the thought in my mind was like, God. But all of these things they go through. Do you think the level of danger is correlated to the rise of star ratings? Um, yes. <laughs> I think you'd be hard-pressed to say it isn't. But I would argue, not argue, I would tell these wrestlers that you don't have to do any of that shit to have a great match. But they want to, though. Right, I understand that. But what I'm saying is I think it falls more. I think Meltzer, and this is the one time I'm going to defend him just a little bit, I think he's perpetuated it to some degree. But I, I think that as a professional wrestler, if you are a student of professional wrestling and you go back and watch classic matches, not every great match that was ever put on involved needed to you to be dropped on your head or fucking moonsaulting off a 20-foot ladder or whatever the hell they do. I mean, you could go back, like, think about, and I've never been a big fan of this match. But the story and everything that was involved, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13. What was the <laughs> most dangerous? What was we the most dangerous? That match. Oh, I know. know. What was the most dangerous spot in that match when Bret Hart cut Steve open? I mean, they had a brawl, a WWF brawl, a brawl, but it's still a five-star match to people, you know. And they didn't go out there and do all this crazy, insane shit. They just beat the fuck out of each other for, you know what I mean? Devil's advocate. Devil's yeah. advocate. It's a different time. Sure. It's a different, it's a different uh, era of wrestling. And it's a different era of fandom. Sure. Yeah, you're right about that. I, I get that. I, I just don't because, like... And the reason I say that is because if you try... And I am as old school as you are. Give me story. The match can be trash. Give me story. But if you throw out Bruno versus Zabisco from 77, you can miss me with all that. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, let, let me ask you this though. Let's think about this for a second. So Kenny Omega, the the guy who's famous for cutting a promo about dropping his star average or whatever the fuck he said, like best bout machine. Yes. Let me ask you this: If if who's Kenny Omega need to impress at this point? Anybody? Are, are any of us unimpressed with Kenny Omega the wrestler? Because I don't think any of us are. But he's let me ask you this: his Top five, if not. Top he's three, outstanding. Not yeah. But. You know who also has a five-star match that not that many people really cared about for a while? I'm not saying he's not relevant or wasn't popular in Mexico. Andrade Almas, right? Yep. He had a, he has a five-star match under his belt with Johnny Gargano from TakeOver. 
Now, the match was, I mean, it was pretty brutal in some ways, you know, but I thought it was worked well, right? But a lot of these guys, they think they have to do this because the star ratings are some kind of accolade. It'll get them noticed. I don't, I'm not buying that because this is, that's almost got all, he was in Mexico and now he's in WWE. He got from here to there without having to have any five star, five star rated matches by Dave fucking Meltzer. You know what I mean? Like devil's advocate again. <laughs> God damn it. Go ahead. Two things. Number one, that was the first five star match since CM Punk, John Cena in WWE. Right. Yeah, sure. New Japan got like six, seven of them every year. Well, good for them. <laughs> yeah, right. Number two, you're speaking of Andrade. Andrade was the top guy in AAA. Yeah, I know. Left, That's why I mentioned the right? Mexico thing. But he left, and Andrade was bombing in NXT. Sure. Until he got he was. And I, yeah, I, he was. I watched every episode of NXT. And don't get me wrong, he was still having great matches, and he had a story that was interesting, but he was bombing. And Zelina came and saved, I won't say saved his career, but my God, took him from here to the top. But I don't so, think that five-star match is the reason that he all of a sudden everybody loves him. Like, he was no, coming around no. already, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're saying you don't have to have five-star matches to get noticed. Like, I, I don't like this. That's the Kenny thing did. I don't like about it, you know? Kenny didn't. We know Kenny now as the as the best bout machine and the cleaner and the, the top guy in New Japan. Don't forget these times when he fought Kushida damn near every night as a junior. He was a, he, they put, they made him a junior, mind you. He was a junior when Finn was over the damn, when Finn was over the uh, over Bullet Club. Right. He made this bigger than Finn, but he was I a just, junior guy. Yeah. I just want to know if you go and look at like I don't. Every wrestler has different goals and aspirations, but if you're a wrestler trying to get noticed, I just for me like I would love to go back and say WWE is like the, maybe the big time, right? So. How many guys in WWE right now on that roster, prior to WWE or right now, have a five-star match under their belt? And there's so many guys in that roster that got noticed. They found a way to get signed without having to have these insane, brutal matches. So I would, like I said, I would put part of it on Meltzer, but I would put, for perpetuating it, I would put part of it on the fans for feeling like they it matters so much. But I would I put more of it on the wrestlers for, for buying into it. Like, you're buying yeah. into this crap. Like, you have to do this, and it's bullshit. You know what I mean? You don't I, have to do any of that. I, I think that um, some of those, uh, if you want to call them indie guys, um, see that as their as their ticket to, to making a name for themselves. Right. Tam is using Twitter and being an effective heel, slapping fans to get himself over, and some of them see the star system as their way to get over. I Sounds like they don't have a personality to me. Yeah, Osprey does a million different flips, and he's noticed. Um, and speaking of the Hiroma injury, the one thing that is, gets underreported is dra- that was Dragon Lee's fourth match in like two days. So sure. that Phoenix yeah. Plex, or whatever you want, to, I think it's called the Phoenix Plex, whatever you call it, he was just really tired, and that's a, that's probably a bigger problem than the danger of the move itself, is that he was put in that situation you know, or put himself in a situation, rather, to let so it happen. I, I know about this injury because it was a big deal. What I don't know is what New Japan's uh, injury record for things like this is. Terrible. The times that recently, the times that okay. So the times that I have viewed um, matches from New Japan, 
it's it's hard for me to watch. It's difficult because it seems like the risk of danger isn't an illusion. It's not a well-crafted story like we see in WWE. We know that a vertical suplex isn't going to hurt because you can see how they're cradled when you know when they hit the mat. I don't want to see brain busters. I don't want to see pile drivers anymore. I don't want to see a finisher parade and people getting you know suplexed and power bombed on the apron and on the exposed concrete. I don't want to see that. Right. I don't want to see when it stops being the illusion and it starts looking too real, that strong style, that's that's too much for me. I, I, that's why I can't watch it. There is no move that infuriates me more than Kenny Omega's Snapdragon Suplex. For number one, I just hate that move in general. Number two, it's literally not even. It's not even. It's like a. It's not a signature. It's not a major move in the match. It's just like something I do to do. Oh, let me snap! Let me snap! Do a snap dragon on your damn head. <laughs> Number of the ropes. Still not as bad as the rebound clothesline from Dean Ambrose. I go to my grave. No, that is or or the or the uh, what's the, the one slingshot. That does? The what? Yeah. The, that, yeah, the that... slingshot clothesline. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or what's the thing that Sami Zayn does outside when he jumps on the ap- jumps on the apron and does the moonsault? But it takes like 15 oh, seconds. Oh, the barricade moonsault. <laughs> Fuck that move. That's another move. Like, they just stand there like, yeah, all right. Okay, come on. You're almost there. Yeah, all right. All right, all right catch you. <laughs> Fuck that move. I hate it. Speaking of speaking of the New Japan guys, though, uh, Katsuyori Shibata, uh, the wrestler, was probably going to be one of the next guys to be getting that huge push. He fought uh, Okada, I think this was two years ago now, and he headbutted him, straight up headbutted, like real ass headbutt, and started bleeding from his head, hairline. Yeah, I remember and that. He had a hematoma, and he'll probably never wrestle again. He's a, he's training, but he'll never probably never wrestle ever again. Uh, Hanma had a really bad neck injury. Um, I think Makabe just came back. Like the neck and head injuries they have are a little more frequent than you'd like. And I understand if you compare to WWE, WWE, WWE has more injuries per capita. They wrestle the injury, more. Well, number one, they wrestle more. But number two, the injuries aren't deadly injuries like neck and head injuries. Most yeah. of them aren't. Their injuries are, oh, I blew my knee out because I wrestled five nights in a week. Yeah. You know, or I blew my arm out or something like that. Very rarely do we see the head stuff anymore, yeah. Yeah, and, and when we do see it and it has has an impact, uh, WWE – Pretty much takes that away. Um, I'd say the the inverted pile driver, other than the tombstone, went away after Stone Cold's injury. I do you one better. Have you? Was the last time you seen Samoa Joe use the muscle buster? Yeah, probably yeah, since he, he. Yeah. He doesn't use it. They banned it after Tyson Kidd got hurt. Yep. Right. You know, and they seem they, to care more about their superstars. At least it's 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 the Benoit thing in a lot of ways. You know, that that still has a lasting effect. Nobody that's our age will ever forget what we know about the Chris Benoit saga, right? And so WWE knows that, too. They're not going to risk these head injuries for the sake of, what, an extra half a star from the hack? Like, who cares? Which is why Daniel Bryan, I think, personally, would be stupid to leave WWE for a number of reasons. His wife still works there, Total Divas, Total Bellas. But more than anything... They cared about you at a point where they didn't have to, you know. Let's bring it full circle. Daniel okay. Bryan's con- Daniel Bryan's contract issue is mm-hmm. part of the kayfabe story. Oh, break that down for me. I ain't no, heard that a, one. 
It's as simple as it is. Do we really know what's going on with Daniel Bryan and his contract? Maybe, maybe it's not. You know, I'm not doubting that it's not up for renewal, but is his hesitation as we see it? Is his um, his reluctance to sign? Is that real or is that just part of the storyline? Because now that's been interjected into the Miz feud as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, that's good. I didn't think about it like that. That's good. That's real good. Oh. And it's going to boy, a lot of people are going to be upset when he signs on that dotted line for millions. Well, look. That, that is happening. I'm telling you right now, you can write it down. Yeah. What notepad you want to put it in. Daniel Bryan ain't going anywhere. There's so no chance it, New Japan can forget about it. Ring of Honor, you guys can forget about it. He's staying in WWE. They offered the dude a million dollar downside to come to SmackDown and pretend to be a general manager. <laughs> you know how many wrestlers on that on that roster who wrestle every week don't make a million dollars upside? Yeah. Just saying. They value the dude. Um, no, 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 he's a B-plus player, though, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, but I'm the idiot who believes that everything about that was 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 uh, planned. Even uh, him losing the title, him, the feud with Bray, all that was planned. And it's just the greatest, it's the greatest long con of all time. This is, I feel like this, that storyline is the uh, Lawler-Kaufman of, tw- of our time. I really believe that. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, I have my hesitations about maybe every little detail. Like, I know, Ranch, you're very thorough, and you will go through every little piece and be like, ah, 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 ah. See, it's all one big connect-the-dot game or whatever. I'm the nerd of the group, yes. Right, and that's okay, and that's I think it's great that you feel that way because, I mean, I think it brings a different perspective that you don't usually get to hear people online are like, ah, oh, he just did it all himself. And I always am one of those, like, it falls in the middle a little bit. I think they – there's a lot of – I do think – it's not – the WWE isn't perfect. I think they make missteps along the way and kind of have to go back over it a little bit. It's kind of like with whiteout, you know what I mean, at times. But I don't think this was some like the fans made it happen. No. Oh, hell you're, no. Not, you're not selling me on that shit. I can promise you that. But there – you can sell me on some other things. that eh, This may not have been the plan per se, but if something worked out a certain way, then you go with it. You know what I mean? The two things that 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 were not planned, I believe, was they did not expect Batista to not get over, and they didn't expect Punk to leave. That threw a wrench in it for sure. Yeah, the Punk yes. thing, and then of course, yeah. I think they thought the Batista thing was going to work as well. It's a damn shame it didn't, by the way. But yeah. Um. So you want to talk some Ronda Rousey? Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, Ronda, unlike her other UFC champion, uh co-worker decides to show up to work and wrestle um let's not give her too much credit now i mean remember she was going to be a full-time performer and she's just now she signed in february and she just now wrestled her first raw match five six months later so eh. okay but hold on outside of the month she was suspended right and maybe three other weeks when she had other uh engagements Ronda's been on Raw every week. Rance, I just lost you on all of that. Just yeah, so I did know. as well. Oh, you didn't hear anything I said? Yeah, you might said, repeat that for us. He said, hold on, and then you froze up. Yeah. Okay. You can uh, edit it out. It's all good. 
Yeah, but I but I asked you, but I said I was waiting on a response, so I gotta say it again. <laughs> um, so yeah, hold on. Outside of the month, Ronda was sus- suspended, quote unquote, and the, like two or three weeks where she had like other engagements for like the movie and Shark Week and stuff like that. Ronda's been on Raw every Monday. She's been there, yeah. That's full time. Full time sure. doesn't mean wrestle every week. No, but it, I mean, I, I do think that one wrestling match on Raw in six months is they could do better than that. And I understand she's an she's an attraction. Okay, I'm cool with that. I, I can live with that. Just like I'm having to live with Brock Lesnar being an attraction who never wrestles on Raw, by the way. So props to Ronda. You're way better than Brock is. But let's. I would say that if you're going to sell this, Brock is sold as a part timer. Ronda is now being sold as a full timer. I think she should wrestle more than one time in six months on raw. She's wrestled in the house shows. She's wrestled at a couple pay-per-views. So I'm cool with that. I can live with that. She's an attraction. No problems. I would like to see her res. If you're a full timer, I would, if you're a full timer, you got to weigh, is she a full timer or is she an attraction? You got to kind of weigh it. And I think you need to maybe have her do a little bit more in the ring. Why you can't be a full time attraction. I mean, I, I, I mean, we talked about this with Shinsuke Nakamura once before. Right, that he. That's a good point. So, You're not gonna say nothing else. Good point. You, yes, point conceded. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. I was just gonna say, by your definition of full time, would you consider Ty Dillinger full time? Ty Dillinger, I would consider. I don't. I don't think about Ty Dillinger that much, so I don't. Whoa. I don't. Whoa! Do I need to pull the shirt out? <laughs> Go ahead. It won't change much. No, but that's a great point because I was. I was. I wanted to make the joke that that Ronda's wrestles about as much as the Austin's Pain have. But sure. you got all these people who were there every week. Zack Ryder, Mike Kanellis, God bless him. All these guys are every week, but they don't wrestle on Raw. Yeah, we don't want to see them. So are they? Are they not part time? Are they? Are they not full time? They're full time. We just don't want to see them. That's. Just, <laughs> I mean, we want to see Ronda Rousey. You I know, think they I, were just taking their time with Ronda. I mean, I, sure. she's been training this whole time. They just wanted to get it right. She looks great. I'm. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. Let's put it that way. Just. If she if she she's looked good in just about every match she's had, which we're about to talk about, by the way. But if she's looked good, then you know you can ease up on the rope a little bit now. I think. Sure, but there's but the one thing I don't want them to do around this, I don't ever want Ronda to feel like another person. Sure, no, I agree what with I mean, that. What I mean by that is, I don't want Ronda wrestling random ass matches because it's just a random segment ass match. Right. On on Monday, like every, all of her matches need to be for a reason. This match with Alicia Fox was for a reason. Right. I don't want them I all in that. That's why I say it's a balance, right? Because I don't want them to I want her to I don't want her to wrestle randomly, but I also don't want her to be treated like she's in the UFC where they fight once every however long. Right. Like I get cuz she's she's this isn't the UFC as much as some people might like it to be or whatever, but so let's if they can balance it a certain way, you know, I could live with that. I don't need to see her every. I don't need to see anybody every week except the big dog, you know. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know nobody could see, but I'm responding to somebody else. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I just think that six months. I mean, we've seen her a couple times on pay per view now. Eh, you know, I think so maybe do a little you, better. Would you have rather had instead of her continuing the training and getting what three matches at this point yeah. that were really good would you rather have had 
a bunch of shitty matches leading up to it while she was training essentially on TV. Rob Daniels is killing it. That, that's a good point, but I don't. I would argue that this last match she had wasn't very good. Whether that was her fault or, or Alicia Fox's match, it's pretty shitty. So that's the question that that was um, so let's 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 talk about it. The match did not was not was not well received for a number of reasons. Um, I don't. I'm not even gonna go out my way to explain the match. Go watch it. Um, but was it was it Ronda's fault or was it Foxy's fault? Who wants to take that first, Rob? You you just thumbs up the match and on the camera, so you go okay. ahead. I'm interested to hear your perspective yeah. on that. I'll jump in. I I didn't hate the match and I didn't think it was shitty at all. Um, it just looked like a couple uh, uh wrestlers that maybe didn't have the best of chemistry is all. Like they were they were just a little bit out of sync. Um. I'll tell you what my favorite part of the match was. Um, and it's something that, um, that happens very rarely, I think, in WWE. It's um, it's when a wrestler gets uh, a move of three. You, it happens very rarely. You, you, you get the triple Germans from Kurt Angle and you used to get it from Benoit. You got the three Amigos, the triple vertical suplexes from Eddie. Ronda got her, her move of three. She had the, the triple what, deep arm judo drags. Judo yeah, throws. the judo throws. It was beautiful. I loved it. That was my deep that was, something. That's what made the match for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it made her feel like a bigger deal. Not only the fact that she was main eventing a Raw in her first match, but then they spent the time to to give her a signature move. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I um I didn't care for the match, but I think I don't think it's necessarily on either one of them that much because I'm not up and up on the chemistry. Rhonda is supposed to look how Rhonda looked on Monday. And Alicia, yeah, she's a 12-year veteran or whatever the case may be, and she can hit a pretty sweet Northern Light suplex. She's a lot – she's underrated. She's an underrated wrestler. But it's an underrated wrestler stepping into the ring with the baddest woman on the planet. So the match did exactly what it was supposed to. So I want to just say that first. The match is exactly what it should have been. That doesn't always necessarily mean it was good. And I get – I think, you know – Rob, you made a good point. That's an underappreciated part. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that the the three arm drags or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. I think, you know, most everyone is talking about how they felt the match looked from a aesthetic perspective, I guess, as opposed to because I don't think anybody would say, oh, we expected Alicia Fox to have put on a great showing. Like I, like I feel like if you were hoping that Alicia was gonna give her the business for a minute, like. <laughs> why like triple h couldn't even do shit against ronda so like uh, nia Jax beat the shit out of her a little bit but that's about it like why would you expect alicia fox of all people to do anything so i'd say um it's not a criticism of you it's just you're here and you're who i'm talking to um, right if, if you if you had a problem with the match maybe stop being such a critic and, and just be sure. a fan for a little bit yeah I, I think that's i think that's fair but like I also would say I don't know that we are – I hate to I hate to do this sometimes because I also like to be the kind of guy who's like, all right, let's not be a, a crazy critic about everything. But at the yeah. same time, I also don't want to be the guy who's telling people how to be a fan of wrestling, if that makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. So, but, but that's why we have a podcast. Well, I understand. Yeah. I mean, I go off on my own things, how, how people make <laughs> me feel – but I don't necessarily want to tell them what they shouldn't, how they, what they shouldn't, shouldn't do. Right. But, but still do it because I'm right, you know, that kind of thing. Well, 
Well, I'm with Rob that the match, I enjoyed the match, but the match was super sloppy. But here's why it was sloppy. This is why. Because everything Ronda does in the ring is supposed to look real. Right. The reason wrestling is, is fake or scripted is because scripted looks better than real. A real punch thrown doesn't look good. A fake punch looks tremendous. Right. So when you do, when you see Sami Zayn do those arm drags, or better yet, the guy known for him, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, mm-hmm. they look amazing. When a, when a, a, a bronze medalist in judo in the Olympics throws a chick over her shoulder, it's yeah. not going to look right. So here's the question then. I think, and I think that's kind of the the whole thing here, right? It obviously looks like she's just ragdoll and foxy and how you well, feel about it. Like yeah, she right, was ragdoll right. and foxy. But see, that's the thing though. What do we, what we're expecting one thing, we get something a little bit different. So now na- I think it's a natural inclination when you see it done like that to be a little concerned that she might hurt someone. I think that's fair because like we said, she, she's in, as Rob pointed out, she's training, right? She's still learning. And then at the same time, the guys that do this stuff, they're professionals. So I think you guys, I'm seeing y'all shake your heads, but look at it from a regular, from a non, from not us. Okay. Just think about it from a regular person's you. perspective. Okay. You see things look clean, right? And they look clean. They look how wrestling looks and how you see wrestling all the time, all the time. And you're not one of these deep analysts of wrestling. And then all of a sudden you see Ronda Rousey come in and fling someone around. Like my kid throws her dolls across the house there might be you. I can see why someone might be have some concern there. Let me disagree with that. Let me tell you why. I mean, I, I and anything can be. You can make it uh, is a reason for anything. But let me explain to you why that is not a is not valid. Because yes, even the most novice of fans that just know that if you know the bare minimum about wrestling, that wrestling is scripted. A man, a person wins, a person loses. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Everything about Ronda Rousey, even to the most unintelligent fan of wrestling going MMA, knows that Ronda Rousey does judo. Mm-hmm. That's her whole thing. Right? Sure. So if she can throw somebody in for real with the judo throw, she could do them for fake. Oh, we would hope so. I mean, I, so, but yeah. we, a we lot of people Brock Lesnar take about... his. We watched Brock Lesnar take his elbow and slice a man open twice, and we were like, "Oh, that's wrestling." But a girl, but a a judo master, a judoka, a black belt, throwing a woman over her shoulder brings concern. No, I, I first of all, oh, false. Not I did you. not, not like the Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton stuff at all. I was well, never you a like fan Brock Lesnar. You like Brock Lesnar? Yeah, but I mean, no, no, I didn't like that. Period. I don't. I wouldn't want to see anybody do that. I'm, I don't. I don't watch UFC. I don't care about UFC. I don't want to watch UFC. And I'm not hating on Ronda Rousey because I want to be clear. Until Ronda hurts someone, I'm not going to say she's careless in the ring. I won't do it. You're not going to hear it come from my mouth. But if I will say, Ronda, not until at, if. What's that? Not until if Ronda hurts somebody. Right. Sure. Whatever. Until what it sounds like it's going to happen. Well, it could happen. It happens to the best of them. But. Um, no, I'm not going to come out here and say that oh, she's dangerous because I don't believe that. But I do. I want to like while the rest of us, while the, a lot of us like to shit on the fans and I like to shit on them, too. I still want to at least kind of understand where they're coming from. And I, I think sure. I can't understand that. That's all I'm trying to get at, because I, I defended her the other day. 
was someone who was talking about how sloppy she was. And I was like, you may think it looks sloppy, but until someone gets hurt, you can't, you cannot call her dangerous. You cannot do it because she hasn't hurt anybody right. yet. And, and, and I, I said that I, that I blame Fox. This is why I blame Foxy for okay. looking sloppy. Look at every other person that Ronda's done a judo throw to since she's been in WWE. So that's Steph, that's Mickey, that's Nia, that is Sonya or Mandy, whichever one it was. I don't remember because I know that both of them. And Alexa. Triple H. And, and Hunter. When she does it, they sell it better. Foxy sold it shitty. Foxy didn't land on her back like 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 Nia did. Foxy landed on her butt, like it didn't mean to happen. That everything Foxy did in that match was off. There is one particular moment where Alexa and Foxy are trying to work in tandem to 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 confuse the ref so that she could beat her up behind the ref's back. It starts. Alexa comes on the ring on the ro- on the apron. And grabs the rest attention. And Foxy walks around and just starts doing all this. Go beat up Ronda. Right. <laughs> so then Foxy goes and starts fighting with uh, Natalia on the outside in the ring. And then and then Alexa has to come around and get the rest attention again for, not, for Foxy to go back in the corner. Foxy was off the whole match. Sure. And no distance to her because she's a veteran and she is much underrated like you said. But she was not prepared for that moment. That's true, and that, I think that that's a good point because you know, first time she's ever main evented a Raw too. Well, that's first like that time. can't probably had a match on Raw forever. Yeah, good so, point. Singles. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of people, you know, I think I think you make a good point with that as well. Uh, I hadn't really considered that, but I also haven't gone back and see. My memory isn't as good, so like I don't go back and like I can't be like, oh yeah, I remember that amazing arm jab she did to such and such and such and such and such and such. I'll take you at your word. I might go back and watch it. So, you know, that's just that's just so you say that and I, I'll take you at your word. I don't see why you would lie to me. You better not, you know. So if you say that hey, everyone else sold it great and Foxy's just being wasn't ready, wasn't prepared, then that's fair too. But it, it comes across it's unfortunate for Rhonda if that's the case, because of how that kind of comes across to someone watching on television. You say and, that, but oh, real quick, Rob, real quick. We say all, yeah. all that, that's cool. But the two things that Ronda needed to do that night, she, she knocked out of the park. She killed that promo afterwards. Amazingly yes. killed that yes, But more importantly, the part in the in the corner after Foxy kicks her and backs up where she just looks up and has the look like she's going to murder you with her eyes. Yeah. Nothing else matters because that's what's going to be on the promos. Well, she has it. I think we all know that. Yeah. She's She's got it. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I was just gonna say maybe you know maybe it's just a, a little bit of perspective, um, and it's just about perspective. You guys are a little bit more plugged in uh, than I am. You you like to engage with wrestling fans on Twitter. I I tend to run from them because I don't like hot takes <laughs> and I I don't like the banter all that much. Right. Um, but uh, I didn't realize people had such a problem honestly with with the match. Um, I I watched it and formed my own opinions, and I had a a, a pleasant experience. I, I enjoyed the match. I thought Ronda looked like a star, like she should, and I thought she hit a home run for her her first main event of Raw like that. It feels like people want to have a problem with Ronda in general. Like people are looking for reasons not to like her. Definitely, that's happening. That's for what sure. it is. Because Ronda's been put in this huge, tremendous position that damn near nobody in history's been put in, and people and she's not a wrestling guy or girl. 
and she didn't wrestle on the indies, and she doesn't have this wrestling background, and she didn't go to NXT, or she didn't do all this. She showed up and then was in a main, immediately in a main event of WrestleMania and all this. But the problem is, everything she's done has been great. And not only that, not only that in ring and, and everything she's done has been great, but everything she's done outside the ring has been great. Crying about how great she was there. The story about Roddy Piper's son giving her the, the jacket. Going on all these talk shows and using wrestling jargon. And they're like, what the hell does Mark mean? Or or, or, or Mark out. And she was like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, she really <laughs> is happy. And she's really, she's meant for this. So everybody wants oh, yeah. to find a reason not to like her, but they can't. So every time there's a glimmer of something, people jump on it. Roman example. If Roman were to ever stumble in a promo, it could be the best promo he's ever cut. Stumbles once. Oh, I told you Roman can't talk. And that's funny because you know who's a king of kind of doing that, but it cuts great promos? The Miz. Yep. The Miz stumbles quite often. If you go watch a yeah, promo, he does. he'll stumble here and there. But he's so into it, right? And people just a cat just say, okay, well, he's so into it that he's stumbling on his words a little bit. I do it all the time when I'm into talking to you guys. They're still human beings. You know, so yeah. we have to, that, that's, that's, yeah, you're right about that. They're looking for reasons because yeah. she went a different route than whoever their favorite was. It's the same fucking thing with Alexa Bliss. Everyone hates her and I get it. Like I get getting tired of her title reigns and stuff. I can understand that, but good it's Lord, they, they treat, yeah, they treat her like she is the worst thing that ever happened to wrestling. And I'm just like. She can cut a promo better than the rest of the roster. What do you expect? Absolutely. Yeah, but you know what? She can cut a five and a half star, five and a half star match when well, she scored on a does? Tuesday after she just had her coffee. Get it right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> let's let's end it with this since we're speaking to women. Um, I didn't tell you guys we were gonna talk about this, but I'm gonna put you on the spot. I know you guys can't name all 32 women in the in the, in the Mayan Classic off the top of your head, and uh, here. We here at the Outsider's Edge plan on doing something of note with the May, about the Mayan Classic sometime soon, hopefully before the show, for the debut. If not, definitely before uh, Evolution. Uh, but we're going to do something with it. But with the people that you do know, do you have a prediction for the winner? Well, I know that you know most of the spoilers at this point. So if this person is out, please don't make a face. Don't say anything, whatever. But um, I think considering what happened to her last year, I'd like to see Perrazzo win. Uh, uh, my my <laughs> pick my pick would be, um, I can't even think of her name now, the girl from New Japan. Or from Japan. There you go, because New Japan doesn't have one's wrestling. That's yeah, yeah, that's what I, yeah, you know what I meant. The girl from there, Japan. There's three of them. There's three of them, Carl. Which the one? one, Shirai. Io? Well, you say the one, but, like, the greatest women's wrestler in, in, almost in in, yeah. in Joshi Wrestling, uh, Miko Satomura, is over right. there. So, yeah. But, yes, Io is probably Those would be my two. I know a lot of people are big on Tony Storm. Uh, I don't. I don't see why Tony would win when she's in NXT UK. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like. I mean, I'd like to. See, I. That's just me personally. You know, I don't know all the names in it. I know a few of them. I know Madison Rain is in there. Uh, but that, Rain. But she seems like uh, kind of how Serena Deeb was. 
maybe last year in there. She'll have a good moment. More maybe than you her. know. More <laughs> than you know. <laughs> so for those of you who have read spoilers, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, um, that that's where I'd be going with that probably. Robert, um, if there's one thing WWE loves, it's a good story, and what better story than the return of a former champ? Uh, I, I think Caitlyn's gonna. I haven't seen the second day of uh, spoilers, um, so I, I think Caitlyn's got a decent shot to go all the way. She's she's got the experience. She was a, a Divas champion. I find it super interesting that she came back from the Mae Young Classic and didn't go back to the main roster. Absolutely, to me, right? It's super interesting because I mean they brought they they brought Maria and Maria and Mike and others back and they didn't put them on NXT they put them straight on SmackDown. Caitlyn got to go to the Mae Young Classic and maybe she asked for that I don't know. The Mae Young Classic is a extremely prestigious tournament, so don't get that twisted. NXT yeah. main roster or not, it's if if it, if it was held in you know whatever it's still extremely prestigious. But it's interesting. Let me, let me say, I wasn't the biggest uh, Caitlyn fan during her first run, but she looks like a million bucks now. Oh, she's she's she looks amazing. She's 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 always been good, but she has she does look better now. She um, looks lethal now. Yes, but I came I came along on Caitlyn towards the end. You know what? I'm not the biggest fan of this this lady, but AJ brought the best out of Caitlyn. Yeah. AJ had a great brought the best out of Caitlyn. So I am going to tell you, I'm going to give you uh, who I think will win, who I think should win. I'm going to give you a dark horse. Well, I didn't know we got three picks. (laughs) Please, you give me 32. No, go ahead. You know what? Hey, Rob, I will, I will, you will forever, you will, you can be on the show every week from now on if you can name to me all 33, all 32 women in in it. All right, you ready? I will name the show. I will name the show the Rob Daniels Show if you can name all 32 <laughs> on the top of your head. Okay, you ready? Yeah. yeah I'll see you on the next fan show. Okay. <laughs> that ain't happening. Okay. Um, Could have just Googled. Nobody would ever know. <laughs> so, who will win? I do believe, and I, 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 I just, pardon me, conventional wisdom. Tell me it's not going to happen, but Io Shirai just makes too much sense. Right? I just, it just makes too much sense. Who I, who I want to win is who I think is probably the best women's wrestler in the world today. Might be the best wrestler. One of the five best wrestlers easily, man, man or woman, on the indies. Mia Yim, I think, should win. Okay? There's a lady by the name of Lacey Lane. You guys have probably never heard of her. Look out for her because she's signed to WWE and she's going to be in NXT eventually. But she, I think, can be what Bianca Belair was in the first one. Hmm. Make that catch you, make that type of impact, and take that and just become, be on her way to being the next star. So that's a name for you guys to remember because she is tremendous, has a great look. Lacey Lane um, won a National Women's Championship Division two at Shaw University, so she is truly athletic. Yeah. So we're definitely gonna do something more more in depth with uh with this though. So Carl, you gotta get on your gotta get on your on your on your Twitter machine and do your studying. God damn it. Yeah, well you know the best thing we could do is 
preview it as it's or talk about it as it's happening. You know, just kind of as the as they debut because now they're not doing they're not doing the whole like here it is, bam, right in your face. From what I understand, they're kind of layering it a little bit, staggering it a little bit. So maybe we could kind of well, talk all, about all, it as it goes along. All the NXT tournaments have always been staggered. The you know, but the cruiserweight was every week. Right. What they do what they do with the Mayon is it's binge worthy. So they'll release the first four episodes in a week. Watch them as you please. Yeah. And then the next four have at it. Oh, I got to watch so much wrestling. I barely watch, <laughs> barely watch it as it is. Everyone knows this about me. I just bullshit my way through these podcasts. Come on. He really does. He really I do like, good I, at it too. I convince people somehow. I don't know how. Um, so yeah, we got to get out of here guys, but, uh, before we go, Rob, floor is yours, brother. Anything else you want to talk about? No, man. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I really appreciate it. I had a blast. Plug plug yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Plug myself. Uh, you can, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, Rob Ropey. That's R O B R O. Yeah. It's, it's too late. I don't remember how to spell it. Find me on uh, via uh, Carl or Rance. If you got hot takes, send them to uh, send them to Carl. I don't like to debate. I'll probably just block you. <laughs> Good call, actually. Uh, yeah, you can find you know you know me. You can find me at Outsider Curvin K E R V I N. Wait, Wait. No, we I'm got next. big news. We got big news from you. Oh well, I'm getting there. Okay. Yeah, just find. I'm first. excited. Yeah, first find me at Outsider Curvin on Twitter, K-E-R-V-I-N. That's where you find me. You won't find me anywhere else. So you get on there, you can talk shit to me if you want to. Tell me I'm terrible. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, but I'll, I always like to engage people. So if people want to talk wrestling, I will. I'm actually – I say I'm a dick, but I'm actually not that terrible. So please don't be afraid to talk to me. Um, you are. And, you know, obviously I've been um, talking for a while about how I'm getting ready to start writing columns for the chair shot. Um, got a big one coming. I can't tell you. I can't, and listen, I can't listen. Here's the thing. It's almost ready. I've been working real hard on it. I can't tell you much about it yet because I haven't found the perfect title, but it's ready to go and it will be posted very, very soon. Just keep an eye out on that. And that's all I got for you. All right, Rance, what's, what's likely to happen first, the column dropping or me being back on this show? You'll be back on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Fake news. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bro, I thought you were at least going to say it was coming out in a week. Like, you ain't even finished with it yet, dog. Like, I just said I was. <laughs> I still have a title yet. Oh, my God. That gave me the laugh I needed to get through the night. Thank you, sir. Hey, no problem. Uh, So, yeah, like always, you can find me at it's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in Dollars. Uh, you can find the show at Outsiders Edge S-S. We're going to tweet from there eventually. Maybe maybe that'll be Rob's job to tweet from the from the fan page. <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. Put that job on someone else. <laughs> right? Because we, we sure ain't going to do it. We, Carl tweets all day long. There are times where I'm, I will text Carl trying to get his attention. And he won't text me back. But he'll be tweeting just up a storm. <laughs> but he will not log on to thing. the outside his I page. tweet on my phone, and I've got – I could just easily flip over to the the Outsider's Edge account. It's right there. Okay. I just got to click it. I don't. 
I always see like a plus 20 on notifications or whatever. And I'm like, eh, rants will get to it. Someone <laughs> will. Someone's yeah, we're the guys ask. asking you to listen to our podcast. Yes. <laughs> Does Caleb um, have access still? Maybe he'll get on there. That's okay. That's okay. Because then it'll just be nothing but impact spam. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Speaking of, speaking of, uh, not Caleb, but uh, the podcast. Follow Social Suplex, the podcast network, at Social Suplex, also socialsuplex.com. You can find all the podcasts wherever you listen to them. Uh, podcast Addict, Podbean, where we host them. Uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anything you, anything you look at. Uh, shout out to One Nation Radio, at One Nation Radio, with Rich and James, who's apparently back. Um, shout out to Keeping a Strong Style, who are working overtime. What's the G1 going on? Uh, Josh and Jeremy, our New Japan show. Uh, shout out to Grown Man. Oh, at Ki Strong Style. Shout out to Grown Man. Watch this shit. Uh, our indie show. James and Chris. They just did a show on the Progress Show. Um, at Grown Man Pod. And of course the homies. Uh, my brothers Ricky and Clive. They gave yes. you guys an early podcast on Tuesday because Ricky had to go out. And 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 shine like shine bright like a diamond. Uh, Looking slick, boy. Look here. Um, but yeah, uh, follow them at Ricky and Clive. Uh, they announced it, so I guess we can announce it. September third, Labor Day. You will be getting a special Fab Five pod from Ricky and Clive and the Outsiders Edge, including our third member. Uh, well, when Rob's out here, uh, Kyle, <laughs> we will be giving you guys a special panel show. Won't tell you what, but you'll enjoy it. Just know it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting, and it's going to be two-parted. I don't even know what we're doing, so don't worry about it. No, if you're not in the loop, I'm not either. He knows. All, yeah. They, yes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, you guys need to see the video of these podcasts. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it will be uh, dual parted. So one half of it will be on Outsiders Edge, the other half will be on Ricky and Clive. And we will also have uh, Kyle is going to All In. So sometime that week, if it's not all three of us, me and him will be on here to give you guys an All In recap. And I'm going to shit all over the show. So yeah, that's always. Fun. I'm going to try and find a way to watch that. I know it's broadcast on a few things. I don't know how to access any of that stuff. But when I figure it out, I'm going to try and watch it. Maybe. So I have the option of watching All In. Or having a fantasy football draft. Which one y'all think I'm going to do? Well, I know which one you're doing. All my fantasy football drafts are on different. They don't fall on all in. Now, it is my daughter's birthday. But the show's at night. So she'll be asleep. So we're good. I'll watch it. Probably not. I won't watch it. I'm, I'm full of shit. Yeah. I'm not going to watch yes, it. Yes, we know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it eventually. I'm not going to watch it at night. But I'll definitely watch it eventually for sure. Especially if Kyle tells me it was a great show. Um, but next week, Kyle will be on. And it will be our SummerSlam preview. Yeah. So and takeover, which is interesting, especially with uh, Alistair Black being injured and the Gargano Champa match being changed to a singles match, last man standing for the championship. Uh, so many wrinkles that we probably should have talked about that, but we didn't have time. Um, we'll go into it next week. Uh, yeah. So yeah, show love. Keep following us. Keep listening. Uh. Hey, Rance, yeah. real quick, since yes, I'm not going to be here for the predictions episode, Brock wins. Okay. All right. Okay. In fact, 
do this for me, Rob. Sometime between now and next Thursday, uh, text me or or uh, tweet me, uh, DM me your all your picks, you got shows, it. and I'll mention them as we're going through it. You got it. Yeah, we can do that. Sounds good. We can even we can do that for all the views as far as I'm concerned. You are family, so. Well, we technically already do it in our uh, our own little predictions group, anyway. This is a good point. Yes. Um. So yeah. Uh. Other than that, guys, anything else? That's all I got. But I think there is one no. more thing to leave them with. We have to leave you with this because this is super important, especially after the news of today with a certain Mr. Brooks and Mr. Colton. Uh, just in case you guys didn't enjoy something of the show, maybe we said something that bothered you. Maybe we just weren't work great enough. Maybe we were we were a three and a half star match in a world full of six and a halves. We want you to know that we appreciate you listening, but you have to respect us because we are following our dreams. And because what else do I say? I forgot the rest of it. Let's fucker write it down. We're fine. <laughs> I wrote down perjury. Uh, perjury. <laughs> we're we're off the rails. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> Take it easy, fellas. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.